Hey, this morning, I want you to take your Bibles, turn to Matthew chapter 11. I've got some things on my heart I want to say. And um, like Greg mentioned, I sent that, that letter out, and I have been talking about the abundant life. Jesus came to give us abundant life, amen? Come on. He came to give us life that's better than anything we could begin to imagine, begin to expect, begin to anticipate. But look at Matthew chapter 11. In verse 28, Jesus makes this statement. He says, come to me, all of you who are weary and burdened, and I'll give you rest. Somebody say rest. Rest, that's a good word, isn't it? All of you take up my yoke and learn from me. Catch that now. Learn from me. He's going to teach you something. He's going to teach you by watching him. We'll talk about that. Because I'm gentle and humble in heart, you'll find rest for yourselves. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Listen, I want you to catch this this morning because sometimes it feels like life never slows down. Anybody know what I'm talking about? It feels like it never ends, especially if you got kids. Just when you think you got them to bed, just when you think you're going to get a little bit of rest, they get back up again. You put them back down, and they get back up again. They just don't know how to rest sometimes, and that means mom and dad don't get any rest. I, I was fixing some, some breakfast this morning, and I asked my kids, I said, anybody want some eggs? I'm going to fix some eggs. Nobody. Nobody want, nobody, you sure? I asked my son, you sure you don't want eggs? Because he, he likes to eat eggs. You don't want any eggs? No. Are you sure you don't want any eggs? No. I fixed myself some eggs. I sat down. He looked at me. Where's my eggs? He said, no. I did? Yes. You weren't paying attention. So I got to go fix some eggs. It just never ends. And I, I, you know, the, when, when they hit a certain age, the questions never end. Anybody go through the question stage with your, their kids? And they always want to know why. Right? They always want to ask the question, why? And so I've got a three-year-old right now. And he's asking a lot of questions. And whenever my kids were little, I would, I would always, they, they would ask a lot of questions and I wouldn't know the answer. And I, I used to think I was smart until they started asking me questions. I don't know any of the answers. So I always gave them the same answer. Magic. What's the, hey, dad, how does this work? Magic. It's magic. You know? And um, dad, how's the internet work? It's magic. I don't know. I don't know the answer. It's it's magic. Just, it's good. And that was good enough for them when they were little. Now they, now they ask Siri. Um, the question. They don't trust, they don't trust, it's magic. But uh, my, my three-year-old yesterday, he came in, I was, I was using some bleach, I was doing some cleaning, and he said, he said, what are you doing? I said, I'm cleaning. I got some bleach here, I'm cleaning some stuff. What's bleach? Well, it's a thing for cleaning, we clean with it. Well, how do you make it? I don't know. It's magic, right? I wanted to say it's, it's magic, but I thought maybe I should look this up because I don't know where bleach comes from. And I looked it up, and some of you are smarter than me, and you know, you know about this, you can explain it. I looked it up, it sounds like magic. They said they take electricity and pass it through salt water, and it becomes bleach. That's the best I understood it. So I went back to him and said, it's, it's magic. Because that that's exactly what magic sounds like to me. Um, you know, but, but life, life never stops, does it? The things, the demands on our time, on our attention never stop, whether it's cleaning your house, whether it's work, your job, whether it's your kids, whether it's your family, whether it's sports, whether it's, oh, the list goes on and you're getting a headache right now, just thinking about it. We, life, life just feels like it's just constant, doesn't it? It's constant work, and work feels like a struggle. Work feels like work. It feels, we don't like it. It's striving to make ends meet, trying to get by, trying to get ahead. But in the middle of all this, Jesus said, come to me. If you're tired, if you're wore out, if you're frustrated, if you feel like you can't keep going, come to me and I'll give you rest. You'll find rest for yourselves. Look at what he says. I'm gonna read this from the message translation because I'm the pastor now and I can do that if I want to. Um. So he said it this way. <laughs> he said, are you tired, worn out, burned out on religion? Come to me. 
get away with me and you'll recover your life. I'll show you how to take a real rest. Listen now, walk with me and work with me. Watch how I do it. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. I like that. Unforced rhythms of grace. I won't lay anything heavy or ill-fitting on you. Keep company with me and you'll learn to live freely and lightly. Here's the point. Jesus gives us an invitation. You don't have to labor anymore. You can come to me and find rest. That's good news, isn't it? See, listen, we gotta ask the question, what's rest? He's not talking about a vacation, is he? He's not saying, go do your work, go labor, go work as hard as you can and come to me on Sunday and you can rest on Sunday. That's not what he's talking about. He's talking about learning how to live a lifestyle of rest. You can live in rest. That sounds sacrilegious to some people because we think if we're alive, we better be working, right? We, got, we better get to work. I wanna let you know something. You can work in a state of rest. It's a cha- I'm, I'll, I'll talk about this, it'll make sense. Rest means, the word rest, it means to cease from labor or toil. I talked about this last week a little bit about spinning the wheels, remember that? Sometimes you feel like you're trying to get ahead and you just can't get ahead. This is what Jesus is talking about. You don't have to live like that anymore. You can live from a place of rest. You can approach life from a place of rest. Isn't that good? So Jesus calls us, he invites us to live like him because he lived on the earth with the same stuff we live with. You know that? He lived the same kind of life that we lived minus the kids, and maybe there's a lesson there. But he lived like we did, but he didn't, he didn't live like we did. He worked, but he didn't work like we work. You get me? We can live from a place of rest. So Jesus says, learn from me. So let me, let me give you an example. Jesus was never in a hurry, was he? I read through the Bible. I don't see Jesus ever in a hurry. And sometimes people tried to get him to hurry. Okay, Mary and Martha, Jesus, please hurry up and come because Lazarus is sick. We need you to hurry. People try to get him to hurry. What did he do? I'll get there when I get there. I'll get there when God tells me to get there. See, he wasn't controlled by what people told him to do. He was controlled by what the Father told him to do. And the Father wasn't in a hurry. Come on, you can live your life by what people tell you to do. And that people, this world will try to get you out of rest and into being hurried. Hurry up, hurry up, hurry up, don't be late. Better get there, better get, hey, what are people gonna think if you don't go to that? And so what do we do? We start living by what people think rather than what Jesus is telling us to do. Stop caring what people think and start caring what Jesus thinks and start doing what he's telling you to do because he doesn't need you in a hurry. He wants you, to, he wants you to hurry up and rest. Get into this. I'm gonna talk about this. You'll get this. He, Jesus wasn't worried about anything, was he? He didn't worry about one thing. When he was at a wedding and they ran out of wine, he didn't even care. He didn't even want to do anything about it. But his mama asked him, right? So he said, okay, fine, get some water. He had, he had an abundant supply of whatever any situation demanded. He had so much in store, he could take water and make it into one. He didn't have any lack. When you don't have lack, you don't have to worry about your provision. When you got plenty of money, let's just say you've got, you've got a million dollars in the bank, you don't have to worry when that electricity bill comes in. You don't have to wonder, how am I gonna pay it? Because you've got plenty. Listen, you've got all the resources you need stored up for you so you don't have to worry when there's a demand on your resources because you have more than you need. Okay. Jesus had unlimited resources. He didn't stress about money one time. When he needed something, I've said this before, when he needed money, what did he do? He said, Peter, go fishing, right? Peter came back, had some money because he caught a fish with money in his mouth. See, he had whatever he needed and he offers us to live like him. See, the religious people, and he's talking about 
religious people in here. And he goes on, if you keep reading, chapter 12 is all about the the Sabbath and they're kind of getting upset at him because he's doing a bunch of things on the Sabbath. But he's talking about, he's talking about the restrictions that religious people were trying to put on the people to say, you can't serve God this way. If you want to rest, you've got to do it our way. If you want to keep the Sabbath, because the Sabbath was about resting, if you want to keep the Sabbath, you got to do it our way. And so they started putting restrictions. You know, they still got these restrictions now. If you're a Jew today, in fact, they've added some things because of technology. And so some of the things, if, you, if you're a Jew today, you're not allowed to drive a car on the Sabbath. Well, in fact, you can't even ride in a car. You can't even call an Uber on the Sabbath. In fact, you can't use your phone anyway. If you wanted to use your phone, you can't send a text message. My uncle was at my house one day. He's, a, he's Jewish. And um, he said, oh, I, I meant to, I got to send a text to my rabbi and I forgot. And he sent the text and he's, oh, he said, oh no, what day is it? I said, it's, it's Friday. You're fine. It's Friday. He said, no, it's sundown. The sun went down. It's Saturday. I sent my rabbi. He was very upset. He was very worried because he sent a text on the Sabbath. You can, he broke the Sabbath. He didn't rest. You can't turn anything on or off. You see, the religious people were trying to put so many restrictions on the people. They, they took what God made as a day to rest and to, and to honor the Lord, and they made it a bunch of rules because that's what religion does. So you can't turn on lights. You can't turn on an air conditioner. You can't cook. You can't light a match. You can't light the stove. You can't touch money. You can't touch... There, if, if your child wants to play with his toys, they better not be battery powered because you're breaking the Sabbath. You get what I'm saying? And Jesus said, are anybody sick of this stuff? Anybody tired of this stuff? Let me show you how to live. People telling you how to live, let me show you how to live. You can live your life not just one day of keeping a bunch of rules and resting. You can live your life resting the way God intended you to rest. You can live your life from a position of rest. This is going to get good now. Hang with me. Okay? I'm not, I'm not against work. I love work. I love hard work. I like sweating. I like, I like getting out my yard and, and digging holes or something. I, just, I don't mind hard work. I enjoy it. God is pro-work. He said if somebody doesn't work, they shouldn't even eat. So he is pro-work, so I'm not telling you not to work, but I'm telling you to approach everything that you do from a position of resting in him. So I don't have to toil anymore. I don't have to spin my wheels anymore. I don't have to be frustrated anymore. I can approach everything from a position of rest because what Jesus has done for me. So this is what I'm talking about this morning. I want you to go to Hebrews chapter 3. And we're going to talk about rest, what this means. What are the implications for you? Because God wants you to live a better life. He wants you to live his way. He doesn't want you to live your way. He doesn't want you to struggle through life. He wants you to live an abundant life. That's why Jesus came. He said, I've come so that you can have life and have it more abundantly, but you got to learn how to do things his way now. So Hebrews chapter 3, and let's start with verse one, and he says this, therefore, holy brothers, that's you, look at somebody next to you, call him a holy brother or sister. Your companions, and listen to this, your companions in a heavenly calling. Let me just pause right there for a second. You've got a heavenly calling. Each one of you Every person in this room, if you know Jesus, if you're born again, and you, you, you've got a heavenly calling. God has called you. He summoned you. I like that word, summoned. Anybody ever been summoned to court? That's fun to get that letter in the mail, isn't it? What does that mean? You better show up. They're going to come looking for you. If you don't show up, you're summoned. You've been summoned to come into the court of the king. You've been summoned to come up a little bit higher, come into his presence and start doing life his way. You've got a heavenly call. Every one of you have a heavenly calling. And he says this, your companions in a heavenly calling, consider Jesus. Consider Jesus. We got to stop right there. Consider Jesus. He doesn't say consider your circumstances. Consider your problems. 
Consider what you're going through and how tough life is and how sad. It's just so hard. He says, consider Jesus. What does it say about Abraham? He was the father of the faith, and he considered not his own body, which was as good as dead. He considered the promise. You don't get your eyes on you. You get your eyes on Jesus. Consider Jesus. What this word means, consider, it means to discern or observe fully. If you could discern Jesus, discern what he's done for you, understand, observe fully what Jesus has done for you, you're going to be able to step into your calling. Listen, we can, we, we can go home right here if you get this. Discern Jesus. That's all you got to do. If you'll just discern what Jesus has done for you, you're good. If you'll just understand what he's done for you, you're able to step into your calling. That's all you need. Just discern Jesus. Come on. He says this. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to keep, keep reading this, verse 1, but I want you to flip over just for a second, Matthew chapter 6. We've got to go here because we've got we to gotta consider Jesus for a minute. Jesus said, learn from me, Right? You all lost an hour of sleep. Are you still awake? That's, daylight savings time is a great example of why the government shouldn't be in charge of anything. December, um, yeah, uh, Matthew chapter 6, look at this. Verse 25, this is why I tell you, don't worry about your life, what you're going to eat, what you're going to drink, or about your body, what you're going to wear. Isn't life more than food? and the body more than clothing. Look at the birds of the sky. They don't sow or reap or gather in bars, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Aren't you worth more than they? Anybody worth more than a bird? And he goes on. We could talk more about this. Can you add a single cubit to your height by worrying? Some of you would be really tall if you could, so we know that's not true. Look down at verse 31. Don't worry saying, what will we eat? What will we drink? What will we wear for the idolaters? The heathens seek after these things. Your heavenly Father knows you need them, but what does he tell you to do? Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be provided for you. Look at verse 34. Therefore, don't worry about tomorrow. Say tomorrow. You're going to catch this this morning. I've got a word for you. Don't worry about tomorrow, because all of these things that he mentioned had to do with tomorrow. What am I going to eat tomorrow. They weren't worried about today. He was talking about tomorrow. What am I going to drink tomorrow? What am I going to wear tomorrow? Don't worry about tomorrow. Tomorrow's going to take care of itself. Listen, but seek first the kingdom of God. If you get up every morning and just consider Jesus, if you'd get up every morning and say, God, I'm seeking first the kingdom of of God and your righteousness. See, when you consider Jesus, you understand you've been made righteous. When you consider Jesus, you understand I made the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. So let me consider Jesus for a minute. Consider what he's done. And then I can seek first the kingdom because if I don't consider Jesus, I don't understand what he's done for me. I don't understand what I have access to. And I'm worried about tomorrow instead of seeking first the kingdom today. Come on, consider Jesus. I listened, I, I turned the news on for about five minutes this, this week, and that was five minutes too much. Um, it was. And I, I'll tell you what I heard in five minutes, because I just, I just was curious. What are, I wonder what they're talking about. I know what they're talking about, but what are they saying about it? And you know what they were talking about, don't you? Um, they said, they said um, $8 billion has been, I don't know what, they're, gonna, they're planning to spend $8 billion to find a cure for the coronavirus. Eight billion of your tax dollars at work to find a coronavirus. I'm not against it, it's fine. Spending eight billion dollars, and they said, but let me tell you what's, this is the news, the news person talking now, giving his opinion. Let me tell you what's gonna happen. The airlines are already cutting back their flights. The economy is already beginning to take a spiral. We're seeing it in the stock market. It's going to continue and continue and continue with no hope in sight. This world's hopeless. And I turned it off. I said, thank you very much. That's enough for me. I wasn't interested. 
You can, you can say, I live in a bubble. I'm fine with that. I do live in a bubble. His favor surrounds me like a shield. Oh, man, I'm in a bubble. His angels have been given guard over me to keep me in all of my ways. I've got a bubble around me. The enemy can't get through. Sickness can't get through. Disease can't get through. I've got, I've got, I've got the bubble, and I'm okay with it. You can get out of the bubble if you want to. You can get into the, listen, you can get your eyes on the problems of this world. They've always got a new problem. I'll, I'll tell you what, they'll get this thing figured out. Next month, there'll be a new problem. And next month, there'll be a new problem. Next year, there'll be a new problem. Oh, we'll get a new president. Maybe it'll be another problem. We get this problem, that. Nobody's going to fix anything because they can't fix anything or they would have fixed daylight savings time by now. They don't know what they're doing. The world's got nothing but problems. So I'll tell you what, I don't want to think like the world. I don't want to hear about all the world's problems. I don't want to hear about how messed up they are. You know what I want to do? I want to consider Jesus, the author and perfecter of my faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross. I'm going to consider him. See, we need to be kingdom-minded, church. If you get one person who's in a bubble listening to the voice of the Holy Spirit. Maybe he's in the medical field and the Lord gives him information on how to create an anti, what do you call it? Antibody, antivirus, anti-thing, and destroy the, he's listening to the Holy Spirit. He's not listening to the world saying, we can't, we don't know what to do, we're, we're in turmoil, we don't know. You get, get in the bubble and start listening to his spirit. I spoke about that last week, hearing the voice of the Spirit. See, God didn't put you in this world and put you in the kingdom of God to just be in the bubble. He puts you in the kingdom of God to bless everybody around you. So if you're walking the way he's called you to walk, people are going to see that. They're going to say, man, I want what he's got. I need what he's got. How are you not sick? And everybody else is sick. I'm in a bubble. What do you mean you're in a bubble? I've got the Holy Spirit all over me. He's got, he's got a bubble around me. You can get in one too. That's how we're supposed to live, amen? Go back to Hebrews chapter three. Is this all right? It doesn't matter. Um, <laughs> Hebrews three. Look, at, look again at verse one. Consider Jesus. Are you still with me now? Consider Jesus. So you're considering Jesus, and he calls him something, the apostle and high priest of our confession, we spoke a lot about this in our class that we were having on Wednesday nights about your confession. The law of confession we were talking about. And the word confession, homo legio. It means to say the same thing as somebody else, right? So you're saying, he's saying the same thing. You gotta, you gotta get to where you're saying the same thing as Jesus. He's the, he's the high priest of what? Our confession. When we start confessing his word, the word of God calls him the high priest of that confession. So I'm confessing his favor surrounds me like a shield. And as the high priest, the high priest's duty is to, is to enforce that confession. He's up there in heaven say, yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm with him. I'm with him on that. He's given, he's given me the approval to keep saying it. I gotta keep, but I gotta keep saying it. You with me? So he's the high priest of my confession. Now hang with me, go to verse seven, because he starts talking about Moses and all this stuff. Look at verse seven. Therefore, as the Holy Spirit says, today, I want you to say today. Today, listen, he was talking back, where do we read? Matthew six, about tomorrow. Don't worry about tomorrow, but he's got something for you today. And he says, today, if you hear his voice, who, what, what voice? What voice are you hearing? You're hearing voices. It's the Holy Spirit speaking to you. Today, if you hear his voice, don't harden your heart as you did in the rebellion. He's calling you to something. Let me, I'll come back and read this, but let me, re, let me go through it. Don't harden your heart as you did in the rebellion on the day of testing in the wilderness where your fathers tested and tried me. They saw my works for 40 years. They saw his what? Word. 
works. I was provoked with that generation and said, they always go astray in their hearts. They have not known my what? They saw his works, but they didn't know his ways. We'll talk about that. So I swore in my anger, they will never enter my rest. He's calling you. Listen, it said he's, you have a heavenly calling. He's calling you. When is he calling you? Today. He's calling you, not tomorrow. He's calling you today. Get into his rest. The Holy Spirit's calling you. If you can hear his voice, get into the rest. He's calling you today. He says in Psalm 95, can you throw that up there, Psalm 95, verse 8? This, is, this whole passage is a quote from Psalm 95, but there's one small difference where he says, don't harden your heart as you did in the rebellion. In Psalm 95, it says, don't harden your heart as at Meribah. And on that day in Massa in the wilderness. So he's talking about a specific event that he calls the rebellion. So I want to show you the rebellion this morning. Go to Exodus, sorry, Exodus 17, and we're going to look at the rebellion. And then we'll come back to Hebrews because I want you to I want you to catch some stuff this morning. Exodus 17. It is back there. There it is. And Israel had just seen God's works, okay? He saw, they saw God strike Egypt with 10 plagues, right? He saw, they saw God take them out, lead them to this Red Sea, and they saw the army behind them, and they saw God part the sea, and they walked through on dry ground. And then he drowned the army, right? So they saw all this. They saw, they saw God leading them through the wilderness. They saw every day the miracle provision of manna on the ground. Every day. Imagine every day waking up, except for the seventh day. Every day you woke up and there was manna. And then there was quail that came, flocks of quail. And they, they came and they just pick up the birds and eat them. Just pick them up. No, no toil involved. No labor involved. They saw his, his wonders every day. And so now they get to this place, and they're in this, uh, they, they've been led to a new place. It says in verse 1, they went according to the Lord's command. So the Lord took them to a place, and the people got there, and they looked around, and they said, where's the water? I want to present something to you. Listen, these people were walking through the wilderness sometimes days at a time, do you believe they took water with them? They had some water from when the last, last place they left. I believe they did. I don't believe they got there and they were all, their tongues were all swollen and they were crawling through the ground. They had their provision for that day. What they were worried about was tomorrow. What am I gonna drink tomorrow? I've got manna today. I'll ha probably have manna tomorrow, but we don't know. But what about the water? Where's the water gonna come from? I believe that's what was happening here. They weren't worried about today. They're worried about tomorrow. What did Jesus say? Don't take any thought for yourself or tomorrow. Right? Okay. So they, they say this. Moses says, or the, I'm sorry, the Lord said to Moses, go ahead of the people, take some of the elders with you, take the staff you struck the Nile with in verse Six, I'm going to stand there before you in front of the rock. When you hit the rock, water will come out of it and the people will drink. Moses did this in the sight of the elders of Israel. Now listen to verse 7. And he named the place Massa and Meribah, which means testing and arguing, because the Israelites complained. They tested the Lord, saying, is the Lord among us or not? Listen, that's what he calls the rebellion. In Hebrews chapter 3, don't harden your hearts as you did at the rebellion. When you tested the Lord saying, is the Lord really here or not? Their unbelief was testing the Lord. Is the Lord going to provide for us tomorrow? They didn't get to enter into his rest. What kept them out? Unbelief. Go back to Hebrews 3 for a minute. See, Israel didn't understand his ways. They didn't understand God's a good God. 
Because if they had, they wouldn't have worried, what are we going to drink? Are we going to have water tomorrow? They didn't understand his ways. Jesus says, don't worry about tomorrow, but you got to hear his voice today. That's your only need, hear his voice today. He's going to lead you into rest. So they didn't know his ways. We, we, had a, we had a groundhog situation here years ago. I don't know if anybody remembers that. We had some groundhogs that got under one of the buildings, and it was a problem. And we had to get them out. And we, we set a trap at one point. I remember setting a trap out there, and I caught one of the groundhogs. And I, I thought, okay, I'll take, him, I'll take him out to the church property out there on Sparrow Road. He can live free and, and all this stuff. But that thing, I got, I got that cage up, and that thing was hissing at me. And he was making ugly faces at me. He acted like he wanted to bite me. I'm there to help him. Don't you understand? I'm there to help you. He didn't understand. Well, of course he couldn't. But Israel was like that. God, what are you going to do? They feel like they just, because they don't know his ways. When you know his ways, you can rest. When you know his ways, you can rest and trust him. When you understand his ways. Sometimes we're like a groundhog. What are we going to, what's going on? We don't know what we're going to do. Just rest. So they tested the Lord. Is the Lord among us or not? Go to Hebrews 3 and look at verse 12. Watch out, brothers, so there won't be any of you with an evil, unbelieving heart. What, is, what, what does he call evil? Your unbelieving heart. Your achy, breaky heart is evil. Why don't you get your heart right? Because listen, why, why does he call unbelief evil? You know, a lot of us wouldn't think it's evil. We would just think, well, maybe they're just, they're just not quite there yet, or they're not quite where we are and all. It's evil. Why is it evil? Because it comes from the evil one. Unbelief comes from the devil. Faith comes from God. So make sure you don't get this unbelieving heart in you because it's evil. You start believing what God said. Get yourself in line with his word. See, we, we, talk, we mentioned this. The enemy wants to do what? Steal, kill, and destroy. He wants to steal the word of God out of your heart. If he can steal the word, then he can kill and destroy. But he's got to steal the word because as long as you're standing on the word by faith, you're in the bubble. He can't touch you. He wants to get his greedy little hands on you, but he can't touch you because you're surrounded by the, the presence of God. You're walking in the very favor of God. Nothing can harm you, but as soon as you get into that unbelief, what happens? You get out. You get out into living like the rest of the world. So he says, let me keep going, encourage each other daily while it's still called what? Come on, while it's still called today. This is not a message for tomorrow. This is a message for today. This isn't for yesterday. This is for today. Get a hold of this, church, because sometimes you might, be, you might be tempted to start thinking about tomorrow. What am I going to do here? Do I have enough money for this? Do I have enough, what, that, for? No, you get on today, and you hear his voice today, and you get in rest today. Sometimes we live our lives in such restlessness because we're so concerned about everything going on around us and the kids and the family and the house and the, all the stuff. Get out of, you can still, I'm not saying don't take care of your family, but I'm saying you can do things from a different position, a position of rest. You can approach life from a place of rest today. You don't have to wait till tomorrow because you think sometimes tomorrow, well, things will be better tomorrow. Things will line up tomorrow. Guess what? They're not going to do it. It's still going to be goofy if you, if you think like that. But if you, if, you, if you say today, I'm resting in what the Lord's done. I'm not concerned about it. I'm not stressed about it. Oh, come on, I'm not, I'm not gonna, you can live in stress or you can live in rest. What are you gonna do? It's up to you. Keep going here. We've, com- we've become companions, verse 14. Oh, I'm skipping 13. Encourage each other while it's still called today so that none of you is hardened by sin's deception. Sin is deceptive. Sin's deceptive. For we've become companions of the Messiah if we hold firmly until the end reality that we had at the start. Verse 15, as it said, what? Today? Anybody, you guys are still awake. Today, come on. I want you to catch this now. Today, if you hear his voice, don't harden your 
heart. Let me read through this. For who heard and rebelled? Wasn't it really all who came out of Egypt under Moses? And who was he provoked with for 40 years? Wasn't it with those who sinned and whose bodies fell in the wilderness? And who did he swear to that they would not enter his rest, if not those who disobeyed? So now look at this. We can see those who were unable to enter the rest because of what? Unbelief. Unbelief will keep you out of rest. Unbelief will keep you in fear. Unbelief will keep you in bondage. Unbelief will keep you in a stressful life if you're not trusting what the Lord said, if you're not trusting in his word. Look at verse chapter four. I'm gonna, I gotta keep going. Therefore, while the promise to enter his rest remains, let us fear that none of you should miss it. For we also had received the good news just like they did. Listen, they received some good news. The Lord said to them, I'm taking you into the promised land. It's gonna be a land flowing with milk and honey. It's gonna be a land of rest. They had good news. You've got some good news too. But what happened to them? They didn't get it. Why? Because they, they did not, it did not benefit them since they were not united with those who heard it in faith. They didn't apply faith to what they heard. They saw his miracles every day. They went out every day and picked up manna from the ground, but they didn't take what they heard and put faith with it and say, well, I believe the Lord's, because they didn't know his ways. Church, do you know his ways? Do you understand his ways? Do you understand what he wants to do in your life? Do you want, when you understand that God's a good God, when you understand that he made a way for your healing, then you don't have to wonder, oh, I wonder if I'm supposed to be healed or not. No, you can, you can walk in what he said because you know his ways. But you gotta know, how do you know his ways? You get in this word and he reveals his ways to you. Get into rest. Get back into rest. Look at this now, it's getting good. For those who believe, verse three, entered the rest in keeping with what he said, I swore my anger, they will never enter my rest. And yet his works have been finished since the foundation of the world. For somewhere he spoke about the seventh day in this way. On the seventh day, God rested from all his work. Here's what he's getting at. I want you to understand this. When God made Adam, what day did he create Adam? Anybody know? Sixth day, okay. On the, what else did he make on the sixth day? He made the animals. He made a whole bunch of stuff. Man was the last thing he made, not the first thing he made. He made man last, okay? On the end of the sixth day, as I mentioned, in Jewish culture, the day ends at sundown and a new day begins. Adam's, Adam was alive for the last few minutes of the sixth day. His first day was a day of rest. Adam was made, I mean, if we had done it, we said, here, Adam, get to work, boy. Go, you got a lot of stuff to do now. But he wasn't, he wasn't treated like that. God made him and said, now you can enter into my rest. And he got into, he didn't do anything for it. He didn't do anything to deserve it. He just, he was made and God said, I did all the work for you. I took care of all the provision for you. Everything you're going to need is provided for in this garden. He didn't have to work for a roof over his head. The, I guess the garden was his roof. He didn't need it. He didn't require it. He didn't have to work for his food. God said, go eat from anything you want to. Just not that one tree. Give you one job, one, one thing. But he could eat anything he wanted to. He didn't have to work for it. He had a lifestyle of rest, God took care of everything. Listen, I want you to catch something. I heard somebody say it this way. Adam didn't work for his supply, it was all in the garden. Your supply is all in the kingdom. And the kingdom is where? In you. The kingdom of God, Jesus said, is in you. Adam didn't work for anything. God made it so you don't have to work for anything. He sent Jesus to do all the work for you. Isn't that good? Jesus did it all for you. Come on, somebody say amen. amen. Learn from Jesus. Learn how to live from Jesus. Look over real quick, John chapter six. Come on, I got a few more minutes, don't I? John chapter six. 
Look at this story. This is Jesus feeding the 5,000. And you know the story. Let's look at verse 5. Jesus looked up, and there was a huge crowd coming toward him. And so he looks at Philip. I guess Philip was just standing next to him. And he said, hey, Philip, where are we going to buy bread for all these people to eat? He's messing with Philip. Okay? Because do you, do you believe Jesus knew what he was about to do? But he's messing with Philip a little bit. And he wants to see what, what kind of faith Philip has maybe too. Philip, what do you think? You think we'd handle this? What are we going to do? There's, there's no lack in the kingdom of God. But Philip, what does he answer? Lord, that's a lot of people. How are, Lord, how are we going to feed all? There, that's, what you're saying is impossible. If I had, he says this, if I had 200 denarii worth of bread, and that, that denarii is a day's salary. If I had 200 days salary, I couldn't buy enough for each of them to have a little. What's he doing? Philip has a world mentality. He has a mentality that, that is based on lack, based on what I have in my hand. His mind was on things, what he had in his pocket. Is, he had a shortage mentality. Somebody said it that way. He's got a shortage mentality. But Jesus, he had something bigger in mind. See, God's calling you to something bigger than you can fund with what you got in your pocket. He's got something bigger for you. You're going to need his resources to do what he's calling you to do. Listen, we have no lack. His people have no lack. He has it all. Can you imagine Jesus at a budget meeting with the disciples? Guys, what are we going to do? It's looking bad this month. I don't know how we're going to, how we're going to pay the bills. I don't know how we're going to. No. He had no lack. Learn from him. Well, let's, let's do things his way. How about that? Let's start, let's start talking like Jesus. Let's start thinking like Jesus. We, can't, we, don't, we maybe don't have it in our pockets, but we know where to get it. You get what I'm saying? Jesus knew what he had to do to get, the, to get those people fed. He said, he said let's, what do you guys have? Give me what you have. If you'll sow what you have, I, I can multiply that. I can do something with that. If you have a need, you've got to sow a seed. That's the principle of the kingdom of God. Okay? We've got to stop having a shortage mentality. There is no shortage in the kingdom of heaven. Just start acting like you believe it. I mean, I, I, I want to talk about this another time. I'm getting a little bit late because I know my worship team's getting ready. But what we teach our kids about money... I was thinking about this the other day, because what, what do we want our children to learn? Well, hard, learn how to work hard. That's good. So I reward my children when they work hard. But, you know, sometimes we've been, I've been guilty of saying, hey, where does money come from? It comes from work. No, it doesn't. No, it doesn't. You should work. And you'll get rewarded when you work, but that's not where money comes from. You know where money comes from? It comes from God. If you, if you need some money... It's not, because what will happen is we get into this mentality of, well, money comes from work. I need more money. I got to work harder. I got to work another job. Then I got to work another job. I got to work another job. That's not where that comes from. Our resources come when we're obedient to the word of God. And what does the word say? If you give, it shall be given unto you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over, shall men pour into your, your lap. Where does it come from? It comes from being obedient to that word. Learn how to be a, a giver. Learn how to be a sower. Do you understand what I'm talking about? See, there's no lack in the kingdom because we get sometimes we get our eyes on what we have. God has a calling for you. He's got a heavenly calling for you, something that's bigger than you're able to do. And sometimes we look at our resources, whether it's money, whether it's talent, whether it's some other, some other thing that we have, and we think, I don't have enough. Yes, you do. Start sowing what you have, and he's going to give it back to you because he wants to be able to fund the whole thing. He wants to be able to give you more than you need so that you can bless other people. That's how the kingdom operates. Am I connecting with anybody this morning? Does that make sense to you? You don't have to agree with it, but it's what the Word of God says. We've got we to shift our thinking to start thinking like he thinks. 
Oral Roberts used to have a sign in his office I read, and it said, no small plans made here. And he was believing God for some impossible things. When at a time when it wasn't possible, they said, you can't build a Christian university. He had a, he had a vision from God. And he believed God, and he started to sow. And he was sowing and sowing and sowing until God gave him the blessing. But sometimes we've been guilty of making small plans because we look at what we have. Isn't that how we do it? We look at what's in our pocketbook and we say, okay, God, I guess I can do this. Instead of saying, God, what are you calling me to do? I believe you're gonna give me the resources. You're gonna give me the ability. You're gonna give me the people. You're gonna give me exactly what I need because it's what you've called me to do. And so instead of getting our eyes on us, we get our eyes on him. Consider Jesus, right? I told you, if you get that, you can go home. Consider Jesus. Nobody's left the room yet. Consider Jesus. I'm going to close here. Let me go back to Hebrews chapter, chapter 3 for a minute. Or 4, that's where we were, wasn't it? 4. Keep going for a second. He says in verse 5, again in that passage he says, they'll never enter my rest since it remains for some to enter it. And those who formerly received the good news did not enter because of disobedience. Again, he specifies a certain day. What day is it? It's today. Thank you, brother. Today, speaking through David after such a long time as previously stated, today. You hear, how many times do you say today in here? What's the point? I want you to get something. Today's your day. Get into rest. You don't have to be restless. You don't have to have a restless heart. You don't have to have a restless day. You don't have to have a day of stress. You can get into rest because you're doing what the Lord said. You're listening to his voice and walking in rest, walking in his favor. He says this, today if you hear his voice, don't harden your hearts. For if Joshua had given them rest, God would not have spoken later about another day. Therefore, a Sabbath rest remains for God's people. For the person who has entered his rest has rested from his own works just as God did from him, from his. Let us then make every effort to enter that rest so no one will fall into the same pattern of disobedience. Listen, I want you to catch something today. You can live your life like you're on vacation, okay? I don't mean you're not going to work, but I mean it doesn't, it doesn't stress you out anymore. You can live your life in perfect rest because God's taking care of everything. There's gonna be people that wanna make you worry, that wanna make you stress, that wanna make you uneasy. You don't get into it. You get into his, his word, you get into his rest. He's taking care of everything. Jesus has taken care of everything. And sometimes we start thinking, I gotta work, I gotta do this. I want God to be pleased with me. I gotta make sure I'm doing all my, checking all my boxes, getting up and doing, just rest. Brother, just rest. You can still do all those things, but you do it from a different position. You're doing it from a position of resting in what he's done for you. Does that make sense this morning? Stand up with me. And I want to close with this scripture. One more time, Matthew chapter 11. Thank you, Lord. Just bow your heads and close your eyes for a minute. Just listen to what this word says. He says, Jesus says, come to me, all of you who are weary and burdened and I'm going to give you rest all of you take up my yoke learn from me because I'm gentle and humble in heart and you'll find rest for yourselves for my yoke is easy and my burden is light listen you don't have to work for your healing Jesus did it all for you you don't have to work for your salvation he did it all for you you don't have to work for your provision. He did it all for you. I'm going to talk about this more next week because I feel like the Lord wants us to catch hold of what he's done for us. It's time to stop trusting in the, the hands of man and start trusting in what God's done for us. This morning, if you're here and Jesus is not the Lord of your life, I've been talking about resting. You can't rest fully. You'll never fully be at peace in your heart and at peace in your life until Jesus Christ is the Lord of your heart. Because your heart will always be restless. Your heart will always be uneasy. There'll always be something else. You might, you might be facing a hurdle and you get past this one and the next one's coming and the next one and the next one because your life isn't right with God. He wants to give you perfect rest in the middle of your situation. And this morning, if you need to make Jesus the Lord and Savior of your heart, I want you to say this prayer with me. Just say, Dear Jesus, forgive me for my sins. 
come into my heart and make me a new person. I give you my life today, Jesus. Thank you that I can walk in your rest. I can walk in your victory. I can walk in your peace. I thank you for what you've done for me in the name of Jesus. And for the rest of you this morning, we already prayed for each other. But this morning, I want to ask if you need prayer for anything else specifically. If you'd like to come to the front, we want to pray for you. And this morning, I would just want to pray for everybody here in just a moment for rest and peace. But I want us to just take a minute and just worship him. As we worship him right now, I want you to just think about what he's done for you. I want you to consider Jesus and what he's done. I want you to consider if you've got some situation that's been weighing on you, I want you to get your eyes off of that thing and get your eyes on Jesus. Consider Jesus this morning. If you've been, if you've been feeling frazzled, you've been feeling like you're just running around in circles, I want you to get your eyes off of those things and get your eyes on Jesus today and consider Jesus. Lord God, I thank you this morning that we can rest in everything that you've done for us. We can rest in your promises. We can rest in your word. I thank you, Lord, that we can learn from how to live by looking at Jesus. And Lord, I pray that each one of us would learn to walk in rest. No matter what we might be facing today, we can face it from a place of rest and peace. So I declare today in the name of Jesus for each person here, if you can receive it, I declare over your life perfect rest. Today, he's calling your voice, get into his rest. Today, he's calling you walk in peace. You don't have to walk the same way the world walks. You don't have to walk with the, with the anxiety and the fear and the depression and all the, all the things that come with that. But you can walk in perfect peace and perfect rest today. So Lord, we just bless your people. I thank you, Lord, that you have made us the head and not the tail. I thank you that you have provided for all things that we need, that you've given us all things for life and godliness. And we just thank you, Lord, for blessing your people today in the name of Jesus. Somebody say amen. Give the Lord a hand this morning. God bless you.